This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, earlier this week, it was disclosed that executives from startup Lordstown Motors sold stock before financial results were released. The sales totaled in the millions of dollars and also came before the most recent trouble at the auto company were disclosed. Since then, it was announced that the CEO and CFO were leaving the company. So the issue of when executives can trade and buy stocks is in focus once again. Wayne Gay is an accounting professor at the Wharton School, and he was part of a new paper on the issue released earlier this month. It is titled Determinants of Insider Trading Windows. Wayne, great to talk to you again. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I want to dig into the paper in a moment, but this case of Lordstown Motors, it it is obviously one that has drawn attention. We know we have seen these types of issues pop up uh, before, but this would seemingly be, it sounds like, uh, a textbook case around the issues of when executives can actually buy and sell stock or should be able to. Yeah, so this one here, it seems to me, I mean, I haven't looked into the facts you know, in, in any great detail, but it does seem to me like a pretty cut and dry example of, of executives that uh, sort of engaged in behavior they certainly shouldn't have had in a case where the, the, the sort of corporate controls around insider trading were, were either lax or flawed or, or both. So your paper looks at these windows when trading is allowed. Let's start there with those rules. And then what is occurring right now? And what do you think should be happening around these windows? Yeah, so that, you know, the point of our paper is, I mean, we all we see these kinds of events, the one you just mentioned. And, you know, we know that there can be litigation, the SEC. can sort of step in and try to enforce, uh, you know, exe- uh, ex- you know, sort of good corporate practices and executive behavior. Companies recognize that as well. They don't like this publicity. It's not good for them. It's not good for shareholders. And so companies put in place certain restrictions to try most you know, well-functioning companies put in place practices to try to constrain that behavior. And so uh, they, they, they tend to tie up the executives with respect to when they can trade within a given window, but also recognizing that most senior executives receive the vast majority of their compensation in the form of stock. So you have to let them sell it at some point. Otherwise, it's not much use to be getting stock compensation. So what traditionally are the rules uh, allowing executives to make these trades? At what period of time does it normally occur? Yeah, so... So the typical company will will tell executives, look, uh, leading up to an earnings announcement in the three, four, five weeks before an announcement, you simply can't trade during that period because there's information that's coming within the firm, internal information the executives are getting about how the quarter's going, and investors don't have that information. So at you know, so well-functioning firms, they're not going to let their executives trade in those weeks before the earnings announcement. And then the earnings get announced within a day or two or three investors and pound that information into stock prices. And then the company says, hey, for the next several weeks, we're going to let you guys sell some of your stock uh, while this new information has, has already been processed by, by the market. And before, you're likely to have a lot of new information about the next quarter's uh, performance. And so that's when you typically see most companies allowing their executives to trade. 
It did, but in your paper, and correct me if I read this wrong, it appears, though, that there are instances where the disclosure of what those rules actually are for each company is somewhat of a voluntary act. It is completely voluntary, and that is one of the issues that I think the SEC is, is talking about and discussing to what extent companies should disclose uh more precisely what the what the restrictions are the trading rules are so companies are required by the exchanges to have an insider trading policy but they're not required to publicly disclose that insider trading policy so what we do in our paper is we try to infer features of that insider trading policy based on observing when executives do and don't trade during a quarter so we kind of back into what those trading policies are likely to be but there is a bigger issue of, of whether more should be disclosed about those policies by the companies. Should there then be, in your opinion, and maybe my question should be, could there be uh, a set standard that, that the SEC comes down with uh, about what that window should consist of? And, and not necessarily because, you know, companies report on different days in a particular quarter, but that window, you know, three weeks before and three days after or whatever that component should be. Yeah, so that's an interesting question. I mean, that, the problem with sort of coming down with a fixed sort of, you know, one, I'll call it one size fits all for the, for the lack of a better phrase that can be problematic because you know some companies use a lot of stock-based compensation, some use less. For some companies, right. it might take four or five days before the earnings announcement information gets impounded into stock prices, perhaps because they're not a very closely followed firm or they don't have a lot of analysts. Whereas a big company like Apple or Google that's closely followed, information gets impounded very quickly. And so... You know, I think there, there's a, a bit of a danger in requiring everybody to do exactly the same thing because the information environment and the intensity with which firms use stock-based compensation does vary by firms. So I don't think I would be in favor of having a, a single best practice for everybody, but right. I think maybe some additional disclosure on, on what firms are doing so that we can un better understand you know, why Apple's doing it one way and Tesla's doing it a different way and IBM's doing it a different way, I think that could be helpful. So if you can, you you mentioned in your paper about the ITPs, these insider trading policies, and, and kind of the impact that they may have on decisions involving the board of directors of a company. If you can, expand upon that for a moment. Um. So I'm just more explicit. Uh, what are you asking there? Well, well, you mentioned about that the process of the board of directors and how these ITPs may have an impact on the decision process with the company uh, about bringing forward uh, the actual rules. How should the board of directors handle uh, the process of ITPs, et cetera? Yeah, so so I think the I think I, 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 you know the board I think I think what we're finding one of the things we're finding in the paper is that the boards are taking this quite seriously. The general counsel and the board are the ones that construct these insider trading policies, and I think when we hear stories about these unscrupulous executives that trade on material information and make these profits, I think we kind of get the perspective that. It's sort of the wild, wild west out there, and these executives can, can, can do whatever they want, and 
you know, it's, it's up to the regulators of the SEC to crack down on it. And one of the things we're showing with this paper is that, you know, across firms, they do seem to be thinking about these insider trading policies fairly carefully. And, and the variation we observe across companies uh, seems to be generally consistent with them being concerned about when their executives are likely to have uh, material non-public information. And while you'll find certainly some bad apples and some firms that aren't doing it sort of uh, in, you know, in, a, in a sensible way, what we right. find at least is that the, you know, predominantly these firms take it seriously and they don't want these negative publicity stories. They don't want the SEC breathing down. So they take proactive measures. Right. The the importance of this for the board of directors, it goes well above. And, and obviously the, the earnings news when it comes out or the information about the company is obviously very important to the decision process of the board of directors. But the board has to even think larger scale uh, about the company and its path and where it's headed and the overall uh, decision process that it's thinking about over the potentially the next 10 to 20 years as well. Yeah, and one of the other, uh, I think, really interesting things we find in the paper is that, you know, in addition to these sort of routine issues related to earnings announcements, there are a lot of non-routine issues that boards have to think about, like pending mergers or acquisitions and things like that. And, you know, obviously, if the company is thinking about selling itself to another company or acquiring another, you know, substantial company, that's information that you don't want your insiders to be trading on. And, so what we see in the paper is that you know when boards you know see those types of, of events sort of uh, on the horizon at the company, they will tend to shut down trading completely for one or yeah. two quarters. So they might say, when it talks over a merger, uh, nobody can trade this quarter, and maybe next quarter as well. So they'll shut these things down uh, completely. And one of the things, kind of interesting things we find is that. When you see these firms where you typically observe 10, 20 trades by the senior executives in a quarter and you don't see any trades within a given quarter, that's also in, in, informative that, you know, the absence of trading uh, we show is of future events like executive turnover, mergers and acquisitions. And somewhat interestingly, I think also we find that investors don't seem to fully impound that information when they when they see a lack of trading they don't seem to figure it out as well as they might yeah. uh, that there's some pending event coming down the pipeline and while we have you i also wanted to touch on another story uh that uh, i think is going to be an important one moving forward and obviously it involves kind of this meme rally that we have seen with a variety of stocks recently and the impact that social media is playing on this uh, at this point. And apparently it's now really becoming more at the forefront of the attention of the SEC and Chairman Gary Gensler. Uh, if you can take a moment on what we've been seeing in that area and what the SEC may be having to look at, uh, you know, especially with the with the the run of these uh, stocks being talked about and traded off of information off of uh, social media. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating, right? I mean, when when GameStop, you know, went sort of crazy a couple of months ago, and that was few, three, four, five, six months ago now. And that's one of these meme stocks. You know, it sort of spiked up to 400, then it dropped back down to 60 or 70, and I kind of thought, you know, this is kind of over, and now it's back up to over $200. So, you know, it's pretty clear that there's this new phenomenon where social media and, you know, some 
core group of investors can influence prices for a fairly long period of time. And the SEC's got to grapple with a bunch of issues. I mean, with respect to insider trading, what we've been talking about, I mean, one of the interesting things is for most of these companies, the executives realize that, you know, this is not a particularly good time to be, to be, to be selling stock or buying stock in their company. They don't want to inflame these investors that, you know, that are sort of uh, uh, getting involved in these mean stocks. At the same time, you're starting to see companies after five or six months of their stock being fairly high, high, strongly traded and at high prices, you see them starting to, to raise equity. And that's sort of, you know, they're sort of saying, look, if investors are going to price us at four or five times what they were a year ago, you know, let's try to take advantage of that raise some capital and then go out and make some investments that might make it a self-fulfilling prophecy that now that we've got yeah. more capital, we can actually do some of these things. So it'll be interesting to see how the SEC comes down on this. I mean, it's a brand new phenomenon. I think it's going to take a bit of time before researchers can kind of sort through why this is happening, when it's happening, what kinds of investing happening. But I think it's, it's pretty fascinating right now. Wayne, thank you very much for your time today. All the best. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Wayne Gay, who is an accounting professor at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.